Welcome to Let's Talk About Books, baby, where we talk with your favorite LGBTQ authors. So this is Anita Kelly, and my guest today is Robin Lowy. Hi, Robin. Hi. How are you, Anita? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for ha- having me on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for being here. It's it's fun to have you here. So yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So so how are you? Well, I'm out here in California. It's a beautiful day, so I'm I'm perfectly great right now. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> we like that. So, um, you know, it can't be bad, I guess, when you're in California, right? Well, we just had some flooding and a lot of fires, so it's today's a beautiful day. I'm I'm grateful for that. Oh, no, more fires, huh? Well, not not this week. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. So, Robin, I would love to talk about your book. Um, it's an amazing book called Game Changers. So can you tell us about it? Yes. Hi. Um, it's, it's called Game Changers, Lesbians You Should Know About. And it's like a graphic novel style, sort of a kind of a large format book that I created to talk about lesbian heroes that... Um, are sort of of my generation and the criteria for the women in the book was um that they made significant contributions to lgbtq culture specifically and they're all over 50 and came out young and lots of diversity amongst them as far as what their career is and what kind of economic or racial background so i'm really proud of it and um it it won an indie award for for the best lgbtq book and it's kind of aimed at young adults but it's also good for just anyone who wants to know about um lesbian history in the past say 30 to 40 years so um the criteria then for someone to be included in this book was that they had to be over 50 and and yes to have come out young and and what what year did you publish the book then well, the book has had a reprint recently in 2019, and I made some changes to it, but I started this project probably about five years ago. Wow. So it's, um, most of the women in the book are, are women that I know of in some fashion. So e- each woman had to provide um, an essay all about her aha moment, and there's illustrated timelines about people's lives, and it's very bright and fun. It really and, uh, is. It really, it's a, it's a great book. Like, uh, listeners, I'm, I'm telling you, you have to, you have to get this book. It's just fun. Thanks. <laughs> um. So, Robin, um, I, I was going to ask you, did you, you knew all of these incredible women, um, or did you, like, before you started the project, or did you learn about some of them as you were going along? Well, I learned a lot about them as I went along, but mostly I knew them and some of them were were referred by women I knew. So it was kind of two steps removed a couple times. Um, But basically I I used to um, run, I still run a website called apocalypse.com and it's kind of about women's stories. And a lot of the women were, were writers for that and just over the years, I built up relationships with a lot of these these women, and so when I asked them to provide me with some 
stuff for the book. The book is kind of like curated. It's like I had to pull out of them their whole life story and all these pictures of them and string together an illustrated timeline. And so it's kind of like, yes, I wrote the intro. Yes, I wrote a bunch of stuff in here, but mostly the women tell their own stories and and they tell it with such passion. It's really exciting. It really is. I, I, I love how it's set up, um, you know, that you have the, um, I guess it's like their brief autobiography, right? And, right. And then all these pictures of, of their history and, and, you know, their, you know, progression as a human being. Um, it's just, it, it's just really cleverly done. Thank you. I mean, it was really hard to get the, like, I couldn't include everyone I wanted because, people had to provide a lot for me and um, they had to trust me that I knew what I was doing too. And this was kind of an, an unknown thing at the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I it, yeah. Everyone was pretty happy in the end, but they had to, they had to send me photos and I had to ask them a million questions about the timeline and like, wh when did this happen? And you know, this picture is way too low res for the book and that, those kinds of things. And then they wrote their essays and they had to keep them short to fit in the format of the book. So I had to edit them often way, way down. And, you know, that was a, that was a hard task. How about that? Yeah. yeah. How do you fit a lifetime into a couple paragraphs, right? Well, yeah. And the essays were kind of like an aha moment that they had either when they came out or something to do with their career and why they chose it. Um, so, you know, I have adventurers, I have promoters, I have educators, lawyers, activists, um, comedians, playwrights, and all kinds of different things that the women do yeah. that are featured. Yeah, that's so great. Yeah, there really is a variety of, of people in there. So- And then, no, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Um, well, I wanted to ask, um, what prevented you from including people like Ellen or Rosie who are, are more recognizable to the community? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, my idea came from being um, a, a speaker. I went into the classrooms of high, local high schools and stuff, and, and we represented for the LGBT Speakers Bureau for many years. Okay. And that experience showed me just how little uh, sort of young queers and many of us, how little we know about our history and, and who came before us. And um, all of a sudden I'm forgetting your question. I don't want to wander off too far. What did you ask me? <laughs> oh, I was just asking about like, uh, why not Rosie? Oh, okay. Ellen, right. Know? So that's right. So the point for me was not so much to talk about people that we already knew about, but it was to talk about people that we didn't know about and to elevate the voices of these women who no one's ever heard of who did really great things. And I guess most of these women are relatively unknown-ish, but they are just, they have led such huge lives and have done such amazing things that um, I felt like featuring people that we didn't already know about was the point of the book. Mm -hmm. That makes total sense right i absolutely does so is your book used in like women's studies courses that you know of well yes actually it's been well I, I what i did was i donated it to every public high school in the whole san francisco bay area so that was like 300 schools wow that's awesome 
I know I, I raised some money through crowdfunding and I got a couple grants and I just went for it. And then um, I'm starting to be asked to go into the classroom. Like um, next month I have a gig with unbelievably the, um, the University of North Alabama is having me present the book and talk about lesbian history to first year students, you know, so it's, it's, you know, it came about because they, the, the reason why I even did the book also was because they had just created a new law here in California that you're supposed to include LGBT history and social studies in the public school curriculum, like in high school and, and college and stuff. Yeah. And, and, but they don't really have hardly any resources to, to do that with. And, um, it's just becoming more and more important to, to represent all factions of, of the way we are so that uh, young people can feel empowered to have, you know, some role models to look up to. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. This is, this is a great project and I'm so glad that it's in the schools. Um, you know, I, I have to say I, I'm definitely not young and by any means. And I probably knew maybe half of the people in the book. So it was really it was educational for me. Yeah. As, an, as I know. An, and, and so many people, um, I know like at Christmas time, some kids, like I have it for sale, like in the Castro district and, and they buy it and give it to their mom and stuff. So it's like, oh. it's kind of like the people that would love it would be people of sort of our age group that are, um, you know, that lived this life and don't know much about it or young people or just about anybody in between yeah. or even after us would, would just enjoy to read about these heroes and, and find out more reasons to be proud of who we are. Yeah, that is fantastic. So do you do you go around to like the LGBT centers and, and, and talk to people about this and like talk about your book? Well, I, I did for a while, but now I'm kind of just settled down. I mean, I have a day job. This is my um, passion project. So I, what I'm angling for, honestly, is for anyone who's involved with any kind of school, be it middle school through college, who wants to invite me in to talk about the book, talk about this era of history, sort of between maybe the 60s and, and current, mm -hmm. um, about so much happened with gay rights and lesbians were an integral part of that. So there's just a lot to talk about and, and to do a, a presentation for a classroom is just really empowering for all the kids. And um, I'm also doing presentations to try to create a safe environment. So in, in the schools, I'm, I'm speaking with the teachers and going over a lot of the things that I learned as a speaker when I went into the classroom before. Things like, what about terminology? Like, how do we use they in a sentence eloquently? And, you know, how do we deal with the fact that so many young people are presenting as gender fluid in all kinds of ways and sexually fluid? This is just happening really fast. And, like, schools are kind of caught a little flat-footed around how to address and support their students because it's it's kind of new that that this is happening. Yeah, it's very cool that um, you know young folks are so in tune with themselves and just so willing to really take risks in those areas and and be who they are. You know, um, so, so much more than yeah. my generation for sure. Um, and I feel like they're, they're more or less standing on the shoulders of women like the ones I featured in the book and yeah, 
it's just super fun to know about that. Yeah, definitely. And I and I think that a lot of young people do not know the LGBTQ plus history at all. Um, and 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 this is great that they teach it in in schools in California. And I wish every state did that. Um, well, mostly what they teach though is just what the law actually says is that they have to name historical figures like Oscar Wilde and Gertrude Stein as having been gay. They have to include uh, that as part of the lesson. Um, but most of the high schools and even colleges, that if they get through U.S. history and they make it to the Vietnam War, they're kind of done uh, because that's all that's required. So this, this kind of a book is like an adjunct to to what they can learn about, what they can find in their library, what they could write a report about, what what any teacher that is interested in presenting this material can find stuff to present. And I have some films that go along with the book that are really exciting. And it's just, it's all part of a lesson plan that I'm trying to prepare that, that, that goes along with the mentality of how important it is to present this material in the schools. And the law is just scratching the surface of what's required. And then, you know, they're not even necessarily always doing it. Yeah. And California, New Jersey, and Colorado right now, I think, and Illinois, they're all on board with this new law. But like I said, the law is kind of wimpy and it doesn't do a lot, but it's a start, right? Yeah, I guess anything's a start. That's that's great. So um, what inspired you to, to to do this then what inspired you to write this book and put it all together um or well yeah go ahead what else i was just gonna say or was there someone who inspired you no actually so i've been a graphic designer and an art director in advertising like all my career and i my, a lot of graphic designers have an art form that is, say, they're a painter on the side or something. Mm -hmm. But my art has always been like graphic design itself and layout. But I've never done a project just for myself, for my own passion. I'm always like for hire. You need a logo. You need a brochure. You need something. But so what I did was I just kind of hired myself to to create this thing. and I And I got so excited because... Not only did I recognize the need for it from going into the schools as a speaker, but I myself have two grown sons that I raised with another woman, and they're they're like 30 and 25 now, and they um, really endured a lot of um, sort of shaming in in their lives around like having two moms, and um, you know they're better men for it, honestly. Mm -hmm. But in in a way, I just noticed that there wasn't really anything out there that and I wanted to make something that looked really fun and engaging for young people. Like that's why it's kind of like a graphic novel and is super colorful and really like short bits to read and just kind of like you can dive into this thing without getting bogged down. Like it would appeal to young people, yeah. it would appeal to anyone really, but you know, so I got super excited about like if I could design anything I wanted about a subject that I really love with women that I adore and, and just go wild with it, what would it look like, right? And so that's how it came about. And I just, you know, dove in and made it made it as awesome as I possibly could. And it's like my art form. It's like a, a piece of art, really. Yeah, it's beautiful. It really is. I, I just love how it's done. I love the cover. Um, 
I love that there's a note section at the back where you can jot down some notes. <laughs> uh, that's so cool. And and it's just um when I when I first opened it up, I was like, this looks like like a uh, a school workbook or a kids you know textbook. Um, it's it's just cool. Um, yeah, it it kind of has that feel, but it and it could skew really young, and it could skew to to um just grown-ups too because everyone has such a short attention span anymore and everyone likes things that are colorful and bright and right and also one thing i noticed uh was that youngsters today and you know they're getting tired of digital media they're i mean they love digital media it's their whole world yeah. but when you give them something analog or whatever that's what this is being that it's made of paper and you can touch it mm -hmm. um that that is something very exciting to young people when they when they feel the quality of the paper and you know it's just really thick and nice that is you know kind of unusual because everybody does books and they get them printed by amazon and they're just sort of lightweight and and a little flimsy and that it, it isn't tactically as exciting as something like this yeah no not at all it's a great book you really did a fantastic job um it, it, it speaks to what an awesome graphic designer you must be um, really? Thank you. Well, I spent a lot of time on it, like an inordinate amount of time. <laughs> That's so cool. That's so, it shows. It definitely shows. Um, so, you know, you, you mentioned your sons who are now 25 and 30 years old. And, you know, I was thinking about this and thinking about you yourself, right? Um, having two kids with a woman back in the day. And I would consider you a game changer, right? <laughs> Seriously. Yes, sort of, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's where I came from when I did it, was that, you know, we have these vibrant, exciting stories to tell. And I, I always laugh about, like, who is the most dismissed and disliked, you know, type of person? Well, it, well women fall into that category. And older women definitely do. Yeah. And old lesbians, you know, just take it another step further. So I thought, why don't we just make these women as vibrant and fun and show pictures of when they're young and talk about, you know, the great things they did mm -hmm. and just kind of turn it on its head. Like, I'm not accepting that we should be dismissed, right? It's like, this is a vibrant history and it's, these women are all still alive and are still doing great things. And um, that's the idea, you know, let's just like, what if you saw this, like, what if you saw this and you were just a straight kid or, or a young person and you saw this book and you flipped through it and you thought, oh man, look at these cool women. Mm -hmm. Right there, you've made a difference because it's not just for the gay kids to see their representation, but for the, the kids that aren't presenting as any kind of queer to see, oh, that there's this whole vibrant history of these people and, and how exciting is that? Yeah, no, that's very cool. Um, it, it reminds me of, so um, my whole family is, is Catholic. And uh, mm -hmm. my uh, youngest niece actually um, had uh, confirmation recently. And when we were out in San Francisco in um, a, a bookstore, I found this book called, um, it was like the Book of Women Saints. But it wasn't your typical book of saints, right? Like not Catholic saints. It had like Madonna and Frida Kahlo in it. And, and I thought she needs this for her confirmation, right? Because 
she's not going to learn about the greatness of these women like in anywhere in her like Catholic studies. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was great. She loved it. She absolutely loved it. Um, and it was That's so cool. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. I didn't know. I didn't know how her parents were going to take it, but they, they were cool with it. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, but it's those kind of things. It's like, it's like our history. Um, and, and we have to tell it and you're doing that. Um, so it's fantastic. And heroes too. It's like, well, they did great things. And there's, you know, a lot of studies about when, when young people see someone that they can identify with who does great things, then it leads them to want to do great things, you know? Definitely. And, and we're still seeing, like, honestly, there's a lot of information about the general mental health of queer people across the board is still suffers from low self-esteem and shame. And I mean, as much as people are presenting in, in at younger ages that they want to be, you know, pansexual and they want to be um, gender fluid or whatever, they, they still across the board have a, have a lower rate of um, success in general for grades and just self-esteem. So it's not like it's gone away. It's definitely improving you know but it's still important for us to remember that it's still really tough for kids to come out everywhere and you know maybe they're maybe they're cool in middle school somehow but the reality of growing up in this culture at some point you're going to have to come out and it's going to be awkward and you know for me as a parent we had to come out again and again and again it was like we'd go to you know, open house at school and everyone would say, well, what did your husband do? And, you know, I'm like, well, my partner's home with our other baby right now, my, my wife, and more or less, although we couldn't be married yet. So yeah. it's, it's, um, you have to come out again and again, yeah. constantly, especially when you do unconventional things like have children, or maybe you're in a field where, you know, you get dressed up and you look nice. So they, they can't figure out that you might be gay. It's like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're <laughs> Stereotypes. Gay. No, but you're absolutely right. Um, I remember I uh, started a job and when I uh, started meeting people, one woman just and, and I this was at a, a liberal campus and, and a woman came right up to me and said, so what does your husband do? And, and I was just like kind of taken aback by that, you know. Um, what, what a weird question on so many levels, too. Uh-huh. It's like, who cares what he does? What the fuck? Exactly. Why? Exactly. Honestly, <laughs> exactly. even if I was straight, even if I was just a good feminist straight woman, like whatever, that what an insulting and ridiculous question. Yeah, right. For for first meeting someone and having your first question, I'd be like, whoa. <laughs> it just shows you the the male dominated culture around yep. that you're attached to a man and then you're more valid in society. Oh, you could see it with this woman. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and and you know that's still persist today it's it's live and alive and well no Um, doubt yeah and and you know um in in working with young people on a college campus I really discovered that a lot of them didn't even know that um you know there was this whole genre of LGBT books um that were available to them that they could see themselves in in you know uh romance stories or mysteries like they had no clue yeah um, so I used to bring authors to campus, um, and, and that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast, really, to, to get people, um, you know, uh, to be aware of this and, and, and you know. Um, just that's so nice. Just I love themselves. it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so 
you mentioned you're a, a graphic designer and an art director. Is that is that what you do? Is that your day job? Yeah, that's what I do. Okay, <laughs> all right, that's cool. And I work I, I work for Golden Gate Bridge and Transportation District actually here in San Francisco, which is such um, it's a it's a relatively easy job for the level that I was at in my career, mm-hmm. and so. I have energy left to do things like the book and do speaking engagements. And I'm really grateful for that because for a lot of years, I worked so hard in advertising for, I don't know, 20 years. And it was long hours and hard work in a very madman kind of environment. Yeah, that's what I envisioned. And and is it was it male dominated too? Yes, very much so. And, you know, just I can tell you endless stories of, you know, you go to meetings, you have a great idea, you say your idea, no one says anything. And then a couple minutes later, one of the guys says the same idea and everybody keys in and says, oh, my God, that's so brilliant. Yeah. You know, and you're like, really? And it just like endlessly going, if, if you don't dress a certain way and, and kiss their butt in a certain way, yes. uh, you don't get the big account. And, you yeah. know, that guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I have been there. I have experienced that and it just sucks. It's a it's a blow to your ego really, you know? Um Yeah, because you can't help taking it on. And you know, what's funny about this is raising two boys and feeling like, "Oh my god, what am I doing? Bringing two young white men into the world, right?" And they they are such good feminists and i'm so proud of them because they really they saw firsthand that that with two moms we didn't make as much money as some of their friends parents and we we um endured all kinds of sexism at work and just in general they really get it and and you know i've tried to instill in them from a young age you know just because you're smart and tall and athletic and white educated doesn't mean you're really all that smart when you succeed because you have a leg up in all these ways so it doesn't mean that you're not smart, but it's just that so many things are handed to you and you have to always know that. And so they've really, they really get it on a, on a, they're, they're big allies. They're both um, hetero boys mm-hmm. and um, they're huge allies. My younger son helps me with the book and the marketing and Aww, yeah, he's been a champion. They're both my champion. Oh, that's so cool. And I cannot imagine that you would, uh, raise sons who weren't feminist and weren't allies. Yeah, I guess not. No, it's probably pretty impossible. You know, I did a talk not too long ago for an organization here where I brought in a couple of women that are in the book that are also parents from sort of before it was really cool for lesbians to have kids. Uh, not that it's that cool, but there was just there wasn't a group, a group. Now there's sort of a group and a groundswell of it. But in those days, there was just isolated cases where we didn't really know each other. And there was no real community around it. But so I presented to young queer families, these pioneers, myself, uh, this Crystal Jang and Donna Hitchens, both from the book and Crystal Jang, her story is so interesting, because she's the first out educator in San Francisco, she was raised in Chinatown. And then she wanted to adopt a child. She and her partner. So she, this was during the time where um, in China, they were just like tossing the baby girls in the trash bins and stuff. So everyone wanted to get over there and adopt a Chinese girl. 
So she went over there to Hong Kong to, to adopt a child. And the, one of the things she had to do was sign an affidavit that she was not homosexual in order to receive this child. Wow. And um, here she had been out for years and it was just such a slap in the face to her. But, you know, they would rather throw it in a, tr in a garbage bin than give it to, to a uh, lesbian. So anyway, she felt weird about that. And that was real interesting to a lot of young parents. And then the other woman I featured was the woman who literally worked, she worked on the, she wrote the handbook that was used to defend um, lesbian parents because they were always trying to take the kids away. They were always saying like some, maybe a woman had a child with a, with a man and then later she divorced him and they were sharing custody and then she got with a woman and then yeah. the, the ex-husband were trying to take the child away on the grounds that she was an unfit mother because she was a lesbian yeah, and and those kinds of things yeah so she wrote a handbook for lawyers to use to defend those types of situations and um so she's iconic and she has this daughter who's also a lesbian who also has a kid so she's doing like lesbian grandparenting. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, um, so Game Changers was, it sounds like it was really received well um, in, in the schools and, and by the public. Um, so I'm wondering if there was, is a sequel in the works. Oh, good question. Well, I am considering doing a second volume, and I've got a whole bunch of women that are very worthy lined up that would love to be in it. And I'm just kind of thinking about that that's on the horizon. And I haven't, I haven't really gotten that far with it, but I would, I would love to do a second book, and I hope to. It, ta it takes me probably, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours to to spend doing this and right now i'm kind of excited about just taking this book and and creating some short films with some of the women in the book and then taking it as a a little unit a lesson plan into the schools to present um just the story of this and so if a volume two is in the works it's definitely in the back of my mind but not 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 anytime soon <laughs> all right well we'll wait we'll wait not too long though no, not too long, I hope. So, um, tell us about your short film work. You mentioned that. Well, I have partnered with my my girlfriend, actually, who's a film editor. And we, right before COVID hit, we did some filming on these three women um, to create short films. And we've completed one of them. And the other one's halfway done. It, it takes quite a while to do these. They're about eight minutes long. But we did Kate Kendall. I don't know if you've heard of her. She's the head of the, or she was the head of the uh, National Center for Lesbian Rights, which is, yeah, yeah it's an organization that um, defends uh, LGBTQ rights across the country mm -hmm. um, in any capacity or so many ways, like, you know, especially with things like conversion therapy, for instance, or things that are just totally wrong and illegal that people can get uh, busted for. So yeah, th really these lawyers... Yeah, they're really good. And so Kate has done a lot of great things in her life. So we just featured her and she's a friend and, you know, she's very dynamic when she speaks. And then we sort of put it together with a whole bunch of different other clips and footage to tell a story with a trajectory around um, what happened with lesbian and gay rights in the last 
say 20 years like because it's so much happened and it's kind of almost hard to dissect all the things that that changed and how we won and lost gay marriage back and forth and then finally got it nationally and um, a lot of stuff to do with uh, parenting rights and it's just it's just so well done and really fun and it's short so that that's available both the book and the films are available on my website for anyone to you could purchase a book you could make a donation to the organization um and you could also just view the film it's like those are fine anyone can look at them i'm, I'm just trying to get them out there as much as possible that's so great and and what is your website it's lesbiangamechangers.com lesbiangamechangers.com so check yes. that out folks um <laughs> sounds like some great films and i'm running a special if you buy one book i'll send you two because i want I want these books to end up in, in every town, in every library across the country. So if you have a, an interest in it and you want to give one away and keep one, or maybe you know some niece or a friend's child who could really use just having the book, any any way that you might use that second book is exciting. So I'm happy to send two for one in there. I think they're $25. Awesome. That's a great deal. Great deal. It is a great deal because they're worth a lot. They're very well printed. They're they're um, kind of like a little piece of candy, I think. Nice, nice. So, um, did you have role models growing up? Oh, that's a good question, too. Absolutely not. I mean, the role models that I had, and I'm sure this is probably true for you, um, were not good. And, you know, all through my childhood, any movie or book or any representation of anybody who was a lesbian at all, or even gay, you, but mostly lesbians, because that for some reason was super threatening. If they, if they had a, uh, an engagement with another woman of some sort, then in the story that was presented, the, the woman either had to go back to men, uh, kill herself, or go into an insane asylum. Like she had three choices. There was never a happy ending, ever. And that was the rule. That was the rule for like pulp novels and movies and pretty much until the 80s. Yeah. It, there was never a happy ending. And what a what a gross thing to <laughs> to present. What was that black and white movie um, with the lesbian? Oh, the oh you mean like a, the killing of Sister George or something? Yes, that probably was it. Horrible. Yes. Oh, God, yeah. It's scarring, you know, when you're a kid and you see and you have these feelings for other girls and you're just dying to see anything positive. And like, you know, my PE teachers in high school were really mannish and kind of rough. And um, I was like, ew, if that's how I, if that's, you know, if, if that's what it looks like, that's not me. So, it, you know, that's the kind of stuff that could keep you in the closet for a long time. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> absolutely. And I, and I think it probably did, you know, for a lot of, of women who, like I would say, who are maybe 40 plus, it probably did because, you know, that's who was out there. Yeah, it was really bad. And then what I think is exciting is that the kids today do have these role models to look up to, but the culture's kind of shifted and there's so much um, disrespect for anyone who's older in our culture that they don't even think to look uh, at 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 what came before them right. they're just 
you know, and a lot of them are lost too without many role models because they don't, I mean, they see what's on TV and all these things are kind of, it's kind of cool that there's so much representation in the media, but it's still all very fluffy and kind of most of it is, you know, just not very deep. It's, it's nice that there's incidental gay friends on the side of this and that. It's, it's wonderful, really. It's just not quite there yet. They're getting there. They're trying. Yeah. Yeah. But I, and, and you're right that, you know, it, it kind of presents life as being light and fluffy. And for young people who are just coming out, they're not experiencing light and fluffy all the time. Um, there's still a lot of haters. Yeah, tell you. Yeah, for sure. Um, especially like I, I would not want to be a kid right now um, growing up in social like with social media like i i, I know so rough oh, oh. God, i can't imagine so yep but, um, <laughs> i don't know so so robin how would your family describe you that's a funny one i don't know um i'm like the family mascot i'm kind of a joker yeah and uh my kids really respect what i'm doing and just just kind of like I don't take no for an answer easily, and I'm pretty tenacious, so that's how this kind of stuff ever even got done. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> it's really hard. You must know. You meet with a lot of authors. Uh -huh. It is so hard to complete a thing like this. It takes thousands and thousands of hours. You get like halfway through, and you're like, oh, I don't know if I can finish. What got me to finish this was a breakup. And I was devastated. So I just stayed home and worked on this like every weekend for months. Oh, People would say, come on, let's go out. I'm like, nope, I'm just going to stay home and work on this. And it made me feel good. It really got me through a tough time. Oh, that's wonderful. That that's, makes it even better knowing that, right? <laughs> Sometimes that's what it takes. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise I just want to go out and play. Kind of a party girl. Are you? Yeah, I like to play. Oh, I wanted to tell a quick story about just what it was like for me growing up yeah. in the in the sense of sort of more feminism and like, okay, so I wanted to play Little League. I was a little ball player and I was just shy of Title IX, so I wasn't allowed to play Little League. And my parents tried to petition it and they were like, nope, no girls get to play. So I was disappointed and I had to play in this league called Bobby Sox Softball, which... <laughs> which really pissed me off. But um, anyway, so we had a little team and we were called the Great American Girls. And we had a coach that was kind of like somebody's butchy mom. You know, she was like really, really kind of rough and tumble and a little competitive. And this was 1972. And all the girls on my team seemed to have big brothers. And we were all used to kind of this competitive thing. And we were used to it and we liked it. And so our league was filled with other teams like the Buttercups and the Sunshine Girls and this and that. And so when we played them, yes. we would say things like, no better. And, you know, come on, we'd be screaming, slide. You know, we were just so competitive and we played really hard and got all dirty. And, you know, we won handily the championship. We were like 13 and 14. So then at the award ceremony, we, we are ready to get our trophy and we're all lined up and they say, and the first place trophy goes to the Buttercups because the great American girls are disqualified for unladylike behavior. What? Yep. 
1972. No. I mean, it, there was a moment where it wasn't okay for us to be competitive and to play hard and to play to win. We were supposed to be nice girls who That's would just, horrible. it's absurd to think nowadays, but in those days, if you were an athlete, you know, people called you a dyke. I mean, you, you really, if, if you came home with dirt on your knees and, you know, it just wasn't cool to be playing rough and yeah. um it, it 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 said something about your character because you weren't nice and wow. that you know that's still pervasive today obviously but um oh, yeah i see that i i i um i guess what was it homecoming right uh just occurred for a lot of schools and and people were posting their kids pictures on facebook and and i would see the girls just they were all like kind of um, shrinking down to to get in the picture. It was just bizarre. Um, I, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, I know it's sense. still it's still really bad out there. But there's this sort of veneer of of people kind of being more gay. But but you know, and, and girls can be athletes without being called dykes anymore. I mean, it's totally acceptable to be a great athlete and not be gay. I mean, it used to be that if you played hard and were like the star of the team, you would endure some, some teasing around being gay. Absolutely. Yeah. Most definitely. So that's not a thing so much anymore. No, it's not. You're right. That has changed. And we, and we, and we broke through that. I mean, that was important. And that was like Billie Jean King and title nine and like fighting for equal pay like that. I have a friend here that, that Bianca Valente, who's the big wave surfer, um, and she is demanding equal pay for the, the big wave girl surfers. And that is trickling into different sports. Yeah. Yeah. It's really uh, cool. The uh, National Women's Soccer League just uh, just got the, the, um, did they? the equitable pay that they have been yeah fighting for. Yeah, they did. Um, I know, and if you remember, Billie Jean King was the first one to stand up and say, we're not playing we're in the women's circuit. We're out. Come with me. We're not going to play until you pay us. Yeah. And, and everyone goes to those games. The women's sports gets a lot of fans. It's not. It's no small potatoes. Nope, it's not. It really isn't. Um, to get paid a fraction of what the men get paid just makes no sense at all. But, yeah. I mean, it's so pervasive in today's society for women to be paid less still. And, um, yeah, yeah I, I find it, it's hard to believe, but people of color and women are still unable to ask for higher salaries just based on history. And they, they get paid less because they start less because they, they're afraid to ask for as much. And it just, it's this systemic thing where the guys have a lockdown on the, on the money. Yeah. Definitely. And, and the jobs. And the jobs, yeah, for sure. Like I have colleagues, I aged out of advertising in those agencies by about 50-ish. Yeah. So, I mean, I just kept getting laid off because yeah. as long as I could pass for 30s or yeah. as soon as I was 50 and I was passing for 40, it was like, wow, she, you know, like, how old are your kids? You know, and they, yeah. they really don't want, want you. It's no. a young business. Yeah. But the men last. The men can last longer. They can be distinguished gentlemen <laughs> I, I think that's in in any field yeah like um actually uh my boss and i were just talking about this how um you know as women age people listen to them less and and ignore them and 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 men 
you know, um, they're like, oh, let's ask so-and-so. He's been around forever. You know, he knows. And um, and they, they rely on those people. And, and how, you know, women um, dye their hair. Um, and, and men just usually, you know, let themselves go gray. Oh, I know. They can be all paunchy and bald. And... Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a totally different. Where do you work? Where do you work? Oh, I work uh, right now. I work for a uh, behavioral health insurance company. So, yeah, most people are like, what? (laughs) So it's like if you, you know, you have health insurance and and on the back of your card, it says if you want counseling or something, call this number. So I work for that insurance company that, um, you know, provides the counseling and behavioral health. Oh, to oh two um organizations yes yeah like i i yeah i'm not i don't do direct client care anymore um so well that's cool yeah it's very cool after uh, a lifetime of uh doing that it's it's a change uh, it's a big change working in the corporate world but uh I'm, I'm learning a lot so it's great but it gives you the freedom to do this too it does absolutely yeah definitely well, I'm so glad you're doing this. It's so important. Yeah. So I'm so glad that you're here with us today. Um, it has been just such a pleasure talking to you. Um, and um, you're always, always welcome back. And and um, I'm looking forward to uh, Game Changers 2 uh, <laughs> whenever that comes out. Um, and for our listeners, um, please check out Robin Lowy's website. Um it, it's at, at lesbiangamechangers.com. Okay. Lesbian and, and also check out my Instagram at, at lesbiangamechangers. Okay. At lesbiangamechangers. You got it. We got some fun content on there too. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, thanks again. Um, and, and that is all the time we have for today. And thanks for joining Les Talk About Books, baby. This is Anita Kelly, and until next time, may your journey be lighthearted, peace be plenty, and be safe, folks.